you have a copy of God's Word with you today, turn to the prophet Isaiah's book. We are going to look in chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7, and we're going to look at a name. Similar to last week, this name is more of a position or a title than it is a proper name. And even more than that, it is not even necessarily an Old Testament name of God. It is a New Testament name of God prophesied about him some 700 years before his coming. So, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Isaiah chapter 7, and I am going to read for us these verses. And um, just to let you know, I believe that I actually put the slides in the right Sunday this week, so uh, sorry about that as well from last week. Going to fire my secretary. I am that person. Isaiah chapter seven, verse one. In the day of in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the king, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in the league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Catch what is stated in these verses. The Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, you and Sheer Jassub. What a name, Sheer Jassub. That's your son, Isaiah's son. At the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway of the washer's field. And say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear. Do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah have devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it. And let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabil as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand. And it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, what a statement. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. And I will not put the Lord to the test. 
And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall be and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread, they will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come. In these moments, Lord, I pray that you would speak in such a way that is clear. Father, I pray that you would speak from your word. God, we would hear what you have to say for us about Emmanuel. What a name. What a promise. Father, what a gift. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. This week we turn our attention to a New Testament name. Even though it is prophesied some 700 years before the New Testament even begins, before Jesus comes, it's given in the Old Testament, but it is a New Testament name because this name, Emmanuel, God with us, comes to fruition in the life of Jesus. You know, I did some checking this week on some names. Do you know the most common name in America? The most common name for a male in America, not just today, but for the last 200 years, the most common name is the name James. If your name is James, there are 4,792,953 others that have your name. 7 million, excuse me, 4,792,953 others, so actually 54 people. Ladies, if your name is Mary... There are 3,393,455 other ladies who have your name. But 735 years before one came, a name was given. And that name spoke of... The special individual that was coming. The position that he had in his coming. The title, what was happening in this child being born, in this child coming. Emmanuel, God with us. This morning I would love for us to spend just a few moments looking at this passage of Scripture. Looking at this setting this situation and seeing three truths from it. The first is this, that the situation one is in, 
The situation that you and I often find ourselves in often speaks volumes. The situation that you and I find ourselves in often speaks volumes. Let me start it with, a, with an illustration. Some situations aren't that way. This past week, it was raining about 3 o'clock. I had to go out on um, I-69, pick up Mary Morgan from school. And I mean, as I got on the interstate just north of here, as I got on the, the entrance ramp, it was coming a downpour. I was third in line to, to get on the interstate. And it, it was 3 o'clock. I believe it might have been Thursday or Friday. I can't remember the day now. But as I got on, I hit the gas like everybody should. But the person two in front of me slammed on the brakes. Pouring down rain, nobody can see. There's an 18-wheeler to my left. He is barreling at speeds that he is supposed to be, and a Chevy truck is slamming on their brakes. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Lord, I'm coming to see you. It's over. Those were my words. In the split second that I had, those were my words. I could not help that situation. But there are a number of situations that you find yourself in, that I find myself in, that we can definitely help, that we make choices, decisions, and those decisions carry us down a road, and that's where Ahaz is at this moment. In Isaiah chapter 7, we see this king, Ahaz. He comes to the throne as a 20-year-old. His father was Jotham. We saw that in verse number 1. Jotham was a good king. He reigned for 16 years. He did what was right in the sight of God. He followed in the steps of his father, Uzziah, who reigned for 52 years. He was a good king. But this grandson, this son, Ahaz, did not do what was right in God's eyes. And for 16 years, he ruled and he reigned. And he put himself in a situation after situation after situation that caused him to go down a road and it speaks volumes. Ahaz is not a good guy. You and I need to understand that. If we don't get anything else out of today, one thing I hope you get is that Ahaz was not a good guy. Let me give you a couple of examples. You look back in the Chronicles, you look back in Samuel's writings about this king, and you will see that this king, Ahaz, chose to follow after false gods. Namely one, his name was Molech. It's hard for us to understand who Molech was. He is a false god, a foreign god to the Israelites, a a false deity even today because he has gone and long since passed. But just think of the fat Buddha. Okay? Think of the fat Buddha because if you look at the fat Buddha, that was similar to Molech except instead of where his belly was, there was an open sacrifice altar. That was the picture of Molech. And there were numerous in and surrounding Israel, in and around the area, and all the ites, you know, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, all those ites started worshiping this false god. And Ahaz started worshiping this false god. 
And there was a situation that he put himself in and it spoke volumes. And it wasn't that just anybody would go and, and they would sacrifice some grain or maybe a goat to Molech. No. The sacrifice that Molech accepted was a firstborn child. And Ahaz sacrificed his firstborn to Molech. The situations that you and I find ourselves in, often they speak volumes. You're like, okay, well it speaks volumes, but but why is Ahaz allowed 16 years to rule and reign? Why is he allowed to be on the throne 16 years? Why is he allowed this moment? Because there is a moment of grace that is given. We'll get there in just a second. But God speaks to Ahaz. God shares with Ahaz this statement. Hey, the two guys you're afraid of, the two guys you are shaking in your boots about, they're like burnt stumps. What can you do with a burnt stump? Can you build with a burnt stump? No, you cannot. Can you make two-by-fours out of a burnt stump? No, you cannot. Can you do anything with a burnt stump? Yeah, you can, pull it o- you can bulldoze it over and just go about your day. And God's trying to get Ahaz to understand, hey, these guys that you're scared about, this situation that you are so fearful about, these guys are burnt stumps. And by the time that this takes place, A young maiden's going to have a baby. That baby, before he knows good and evil, these two guys are going to be taken out. That baby, before he comes to his end, this whole nation is going to be non-existent that you are worried about at this moment. But the situation that you and I find ourselves in often speaks volumes about us. And it spoke volumes about Ahaz. Ahaz has chosen to go a certain direction in his life. And because of that choice, because of that situation, we see here those things playing out. What's the situation that you're in right now? What's the situation in your life right now? You put yourself there three years ago. You put yourself there three decades ago. What's the situation in your life that you cannot get past? As I was studying this, I read about one commentator that stated this, that Ahaz took his focus off of the one who could solve his problems, and put all of his focus on the problem. What's the situation that you are putting all your attention on, all your focus on? It is just driving you mad because you can't deal with this situation. When all God is saying to you and to me, trust me. This situation, Brian, this situation, sir, this situation, ma'am, they're like burnt stumps. Before I even get the sentence out, I've already taken care of it, if you would just trust me. 
So the question, what are the situations that you're in right now? Financially, maybe you put yourself in a spot. It's like there's no way I can get out of this debt. It just keeps piling up and piling up and piling up. That's all I see, Lord, is, is debt. Maybe it's a job. The boss is all over me. Maybe it's a spouse. All she does is tear me down. All he does is just berate me. From the moment that he walks in the door in the afternoon to the moment he leaves the door in the morning, all it is is conflict. In every one of those examples... And all the others that you could give me about your life at this moment. The question for every single one of us. Is our focus on those? Or is our focus on Him? He breaks through every single situation. There is nothing too bad that He has not and will not come through for you and me. How do you look at people? How do you look at Ahaz? We got a minute. How do you look at Ahaz? I just told you something about him. I just told you his, great, his grandfather was a great king. His dad was a great king. He grew up knowing who God was. He probably went to the temple every time that he had the opportunity as a boy. Because his grandfather made him. Because his dad made him. And maybe that's you right now. Every time the door was open at church, as long as I can remember, I was there. I was drugged to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, all five nights of VBS, all five nights of revival. Every time the door was open, I was there. Not because I wanted to, but because my mama said, you're going. And I said, okay, <sighs> let's go again. And maybe that's you. I don't know everybody's story. But maybe that was you. And Ahaz, this religious man. Religious man. On the outside, he shows himself one way. And on the inside, he has situations that show a different way. How do you think about him? What do you think about the person that, um, when, when you look at their situation, you're like, man, they got it so, so made. Why are they complaining? Why, why are they complaining about this? It is their life on the outside looking in. Man, I wish I had that life. How, how is it that they are receiving these blessings and they are doing this or that? Why can't I receive that? Why can't I go there? Do you know what I see when I see Ahaz? I see God's grace. For those of us in the room that are over the age of 20, for those of us in the room that are over the age of 20, 
Aren't you thankful that God had grace when you were a 20-year-old? For those of us in the room that are over the age of 30, aren't you glad God had grace for us when we were 30? This week I listened to a sermon by Johnny Hunt. He preached it a couple of weeks ago at, uh, at First Woodstock where he is pastor and it was on Psalm 25. I'm not going to take the time to read Psalm 25 to you this morning. I, I want to, but, but I, I need to move on. But as I heard him speak of those verses, all I could think about was how you and I respond toward others and how you and I respond toward God. If you look in Psalm 25, it is a psalm that he writes about his life saying, God, please cover up all my transgressions. Verse number 7. Verse number 8, verse number 9, God, my iniquities, those things that I willingly did, I knew they were wrong and I went after them. God, thank you for taking care of them. You and I look back at our lives. You and I look back at our last week. How many of those moments? We did something wrong. It wasn't, it, we didn't think about it. But then there are those moments probably in this past week where you and I did things wrong. We had wrong attitudes toward people. We had wrong words toward people. We had wrong actions toward people because we willingly did it. Aren't you thankful that God gives grace? And how dare we? How dare I? How dare we, God's people, Not take those moments that God has given grace toward and say, thank you. So what's the action as we look at this situation? Remember, you too need grace. Remember, you too, students, parents, adults, kids, Brian, everybody in the room, we need God's grace. Be thankful for it. Second truth. Look down at verse number 10, verses 10 through 14. We see that Emmanuel is promised. In verses 10 through 14, we see God speak to through Isaiah to Ahaz, stating to him, hey, ask whatever you want. You ask what you want, I promise you I'll give it. Ahaz could have asked for a zigzagged purple and orange hippopotamus with a unicorn horn on it. And there would have been one right in front of him. He could have asked for those two kings Literally, he could have asked for those two kings to be standing in front of him at that moment with a sword drawn and then be gone. It would have happened. But what does Ahaz do? Let me read for us these verses once again. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God and let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Stop right there. Doesn't that sound so great? 
I, I don't want to do that, Lord. I, in, in, a, in a sense, there is this aspect of these statement of this statement that says, Lord, I trust you. I'm not going to ask that. But that's not what, that is not what is happening. I've heard statements like that, somewhat similar. Words like this, not in this room, not at this church, at other churches that I have been a part of. The Lord and I have an agreement together. He knows me. I know Him. No matter what, we're together. You know, I grew up in church. I was baptized when I was eight. I'm a member at fill-in-the-blank church. I like that church, just to let you know. The Lord and I are okay. I talk to Him a lot. Yesterday I was sitting in a, uh, in a choir concert and this statement was made about a uh, segment of Mama's Family that I remember and I'm so glad that they said it yesterday. Mama's son, I think his name is Vinton, he says, now Mama, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. You just... If you've ever seen Mama's Family, just think of that picture of a grown son talking to his mama and saying, Now, Mama, you know you, know you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. And I love Mama's response. Well, you don't have to wear a parachute to jump out of an airplane either, but it certainly helps. <laughs> Let me turn it just a tad. Turn it just a tad. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But Christ died for the church. And he desires you and me to be a part of a family. Not only outskirts, not only outside looking in, but desires for us to be a part of the family. Do we have warts? Yes, you're looking at a major one. Do we have issues? Yes. We do. You know why? Because every single one of us are sinners in need of a Savior. Every single one of us have been hurt by somebody else. Every single one of us have hurt somebody else. Yet Christ died for us and desires us to be in a family. Emmanuel is promised. It's not about being religious. It's not about church membership. It is ultimately about a relationship with this Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. He has been promised some 700 plus years before his birth. 735 more definitively. In 735, possibly 734 B.C., there is this promise. And in 12 years, these two men, these two nations are done away with. These stumps that are burnt, smoldering sticks are taken out. In 65 years from this moment, a whole nation, the northern kingdom, is taken off into exile. They are no more. God is faithful. What he has said he will do. When will you and I believe that? 
Emmanuel is promised. So many things in the notes. Emmanuel is promised. Do you know him? Not do you know about him. Not have you sat in a number of classes that spoke about him. But do you know him? I'm talking about your life's rhythm, your life, the rhymes and rhythms of life. Are your moments so packed that you don't have time for him? I'm not talking about the bad things about Ahaz this morning. No, I'm not talking about bowing down to false gods, sacrificing our firstborn. Nathan, watch out. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about good things. Good things that you have your calendar so packed with good things that you don't have time for Emmanuel, God, with us. Students, the habits you make now will be those more than likely that you have for a lifetime. Use Nathan as an example. Nathan loves to go to the gym. Every time Nathan goes to the gym, I cringe. and like, I wish I would have loved to go to the gym at 17. I would look a little different today. But you know what? He goes to the gym at least two times, if not four or five times a week. And he goes. And when he goes... He pushes iron, and guess what? He is building a habit in his life that more than likely when he's 45, he's not going to look like me. He's going to look a little different. There are habits that you and I have as adults, sir, ma'am. There are habits that we have that we started way back when, and because we started them way back when, they are just the rut of our lives today. Don't wait till next year, i.e. next month, to make resolutions. If all you and I do is veg out in front of Netflix and YouTube, guess what? It only makes it easier for you to veg out tomorrow in front of Netflix and YouTube. Which only makes it easier for you and I to veg out in front of Netflix and YouTube next week, next month, next year. Pick up God's Word today. Get alone with Him today. Get in a quiet place. Turn the phone off or leave the phone in another room. Open His Word and ask Him, Lord, speak. Spend some time with Him. He came for you. Spend some time with him. Third truth, and I close. A couple of statements. The greatest word, the greatest name, can also be the scariest name. For everyone in this room that knows Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. 
The greatest name is Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. He is with us. But the scariest, this greatest aspect could also be the greatest nightmare for anyone who does not know Him. God with us. If you do not know Him today, it's not a great word. It's a nightmare. If you do not know Him today, He is not with you. He loves you. He sent Jesus, Emmanuel, for you. But if you do not know Him, it is the scariest, the darkest, the worst place that you can possibly be. And you, unless you come to know Him, will be there for all eternity. And everything He has done the stars that are 330 million light years away that we see in our sky at night. The rain that comes down on the earth. The sun that warms today. And every other thing that He has ever done is so that you would know Him. He loves you. We celebrate Christmas this year. Nine days away. Do you know him? Not, not, not about him. Not I grew up in mama's church. Nope. Do you know him? Heavenly Father, thank you that you have come to seek and save the lost. Thank you that you provided, you are Jehovah Jireh, you provided beforehand for me, for us. Thank you that you love us even while we were sinners, enemies against you. You love us and you died for us. Father, as we are in this room today, challenged from your word, I pray that we have been. God, that you have broken through walls and barriers. Father, you have broken through a calendar. Eyes focused on something else instead of you in a situation. God, thank you for loving me, for loving us and giving us your son. Jesus, thank you. Would your spirit move even now? Would your spirit move in in the hearts of, of students to change habits that have already begun? In hearts of of adults that have ingrained these habits for years now, would you break them for your name. Would our focus and our attention be on you, Lord? For you're worthy of it. Stand and join us as we sing. A time for us to
sing and respond back to him from his word. Maybe that response needs to be down front. Maybe that response needs to be right where you are. You need to respond, for he is speaking. You sing.